The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. The story. In one of those villages, we stopped and I was holding a, a tiny baby. Her mouth was full of thrush. She was just skin and bone. And there was a doctor with us and I, and I said to him, can't we give this baby some medicine for the thrush? And he said, well, we can, dear, but the mother doesn't wash and so she'll just reinfect the baby. And I said, well, can't we teach the mother to wash? And he said, well, we can, but she doesn't have water. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, in 2003, Joan Roos went to India to visit her sponsor child. At the time, she had little idea how much this trip would change her life forever. Joan's heart was so touched by the need she encountered that she went on to form a ministry to bring clean drinking water to remote villages. Joan will share how it all came about today as she has a chat with Eric Scatterbo and his wife, Jean. Born in country Victoria, I uh, lived in the country until I started high school and we moved to Melbourne. Um, After I was married, we moved to Sydney and I lived in Sydney for 17 years and have only been back in Melbourne 10 years. I grew up in a a Christian home. Mm. Um, When I was a very little girl, I wanted to be a missionary. Oh, okay. Uh, Just like me. Yeah, in fact, I was going to be a missionary in New Guinea so I could have black babies. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Love it. (laughs) But uh, uh, my parents taught me from a very, very early age to share, to care, Mm -hmm. and uh, certainly to reach out to people that are in need. Okay, so you had a fulfilling career here in Australia in the banking industry, is that right? Yes, I was a bank manager until a few years ago when I left and um, now I work as as a bookkeeper for myself working for a number of different companies and that enables me to take 10 to 12 weeks leave a year to be able to travel to India. Yeah. Okay, so how did you get connected with India? The church that I attend had a guest speaker who had an organisation working in India and they had children's homes in various states in India. Um, And we were challenged at the church I was at to sponsor a child. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, subsequently I found out that the organisation was taking a team to India and I thought, well, I'll go along and meet the child and mm-hmm. see the conditions that they live in. Oh, yeah. And so I went over to India in September 2003. Um, on that trip, we travelled quite extensively in through Andhra Pradesh um, and across through Karnataka State. And I really felt challenged. I hadn't seen what I needed to see. I'd certainly seen a lot of need. I'd seen a lot of great things that were happening. But I knew that I hadn't seen whatever it was that I needed to see. So I went back three months later. Oh, wow. Mm. Didn't get enough. (laughs) No, no. On the way home on the plane, I was just feeling so frustrated and and almost angry that that there was something missing. Mm. So much to the 
uh, wry amusement of my children, I, I headed back to India. Mm. There goes mom again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's having a midlife crisis. Something's, something's wrong here. So uh, anyway, that time I was taken into uh, a completely different area of India and uh, we travelled a lot of uh, mountain roads and areas and saw a lot of tribal people and villages. And in one of those villages, uh, we stopped and I was holding a, a tiny baby. Her head was the size of just a, an ordinary orange. Mm. Uh, her mouth was full of thrush. She was just skin and bone. And I asked how old she was, and she was eight weeks, which was the same age as one of my granddaughters mm. at home. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe the difference in the size mm. and, mm. and just the skin texture and everything else with this baby and there was a doctor with us and I and I said to him can't we give this baby some medicine for the thrush and he said well we can dear but the mother doesn't wash and so she'll just reinfect the baby so there's no need you know it's just it's just a waste and I said well can't we teach the mother to wash and he said well we can but she doesn't have water and Fifty meters away was a was a bore well, and I said, "Well, there's a well there. Can't she get it?" And he mm. said, "Well, no, she's low caste, and mm. that's a high caste well, and or it's on high caste land." Yeah. So these people have to walk down to the pond, which was green and horrible looking mm. water, mm. Um, and they they can't ever go there. So I said, "Well." can't they get another pump? You know, it's so easy. Yeah. We, we, we really are so yeah. lucky and so yeah. blessed yeah. here in Australia. Yeah. Can't they get another pump? And he said, well, they'll never. These people earn 50 to 60, maybe 80 rupees a day. Which is how much is it? About $2, mm-hmm. less than $2. Wow. Um, they will never, ever, the whole village will never have enough money to buy another bore well, to mm-hmm. have one sunk. Um, it costs about 50,000 rupees, which is about $1,500 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, to sink a bore well. Uh, and more, I mean, that's the cost. Yeah. So if they were paying someone, they'd be, it would probably oh, the cost them more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just said, well, you know, can we, can we sink mm-hmm. a well? You know, mm-hmm. if I go home and I raise the money, can we do it? Yeah. And he said, well, yes, but which village do you start with? Mm. Okay. And and I said, well, what's wrong with this one? Yes. <laughs> we have to start That's somewhere. Right, exactly. yeah. So I came home and I drove my friends mad. Mm. I just talked about India, about the need, about the 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 need in so many areas, and 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 how fortunate we are to be living in the country we are, mm. and even in a time of drought, we're still. So much sure. better off. Sure. And it took 12 months of me talking and, and then thinking, oh, it's all too hard and, and not thinking about it for a while. But, mm. but it was constantly there. And fortunately, someone said to me, oh, you should talk to this man. And this mm-hmm. man gave me the name of someone. And we managed to get a registered charity set up and uh, start Jacob's Well. So from there, we've, we've gone and we've um, purchased four acres of land to... Uh, commence building an orphanage we've purchased a well rig and uh, hired a well mason and team Mm. to go out into really remote villages villages that the 
trucks that have a well drilling rig on the back that can mm-hmm. do it in two days yeah. just can't get to because there there aren't any roads. Mm. Mm. Um, so we're we're going into those villages and we're sinking a bore well. Mm-hmm. We are then following up with hygiene workers mm-hmm. because if people don't understand about hygiene, yeah, then a bore well can actually bring waterborne diseases and oh, things okay. that they don't have before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, could it even make it worse? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So we think we're doing a good thing, but we can actually, if, if they right. don't understand yeah. uh, that they need to be careful about yeah. washing and going to the toilet and those sorts of things near the water supply, then, oh, then it can be a much greater problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so hygiene workers uh, are also being able to go out into these villages and teach people about washing, which of course means that they'll then save lives. 20% of of babies in the um, area we're working in die before they turn 12 months old. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. And most of that is from malnourishment and gastroenteritis. Wow. Wow. So how was uh, it all received when you began to do the first well? How was the whole uh, atmosphere of the village that you started in? They were very excited. We'd travelled to this village in this particular district a number of times beforehand and sought the permission from the tribal elders to to do the well. And they were just tickled pink. Um, the well was sunk in about May last year. Okay. And the wet season came <laughs> and they were just over the moon because for the first time ever mm. they had clean fresh water wow. during mm. the wet season mm. Mm. nobody had to go down to the river mm. which in in the wet season is churned up and very muddy yes and it's also very slippery mm-hmm. so and again like australian kids learn to swim as just part of their mm-hmm. their schooling mm-hmm. yes in india they don't so a lot of women and children drown getting water or or have very near misses yes so the tribal elders walked 20 kilometers to catch a bus and then traveled for three hours on a bus to uh, where we're based to thank us for the water Mm. because they had clean sweet water for Mm. the first time ever You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric and Jean Scadabo are chatting with Joan Roos, the founder and CEO of Jacob's Well, a ministry that primarily focuses on bringing clean drinking water to poor, remote villages in India. Next, we'll hear more of Joan's story, including how clean drinking water is helping the marriage prospects of the village men. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Eric and his wife Jean Scadabo are chatting with Joan Roos, the founder and CEO of Jacob's Well, a ministry that focuses on bringing clean drinking water to poor, remote villages in India. Now, here's more of their conversation. Here we're sitting in the studio. Each of us has a cup of water, and we, you know, we just turned on the tap and 
had some water there and we're drinking that, but we just take it for granted. And now you're telling us all the practical benefits that that clean drinking water is having on that village. And as you shared initially, it was the baby having thrush. And how do you solve that problem? Well, then that problem led to another problem and so forth and so on. And now it's just building. And how do you feel about all this? The impact that your organization is having on these villages? The sense of satisfaction and and just absolute joy is amazing. You, it's hard to believe that that you're even part of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, here in Australia, we're the catalyst. We talk to people, we raise the funds, mm. and we send it over there. And, and local people are doing all the work, which is also fantastic because we're providing work for people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in each village we go to, uh, one or two of the, the men in the village work with the head well man as his labourers. So it really becomes part of the village. They, they have a personal interest in in the, the bore well. Um. I, I go over a couple of times a year at least and it's it's just such a joy to go into the villages and see uh, see the water and see the, the, the kids and the, the, the little vegetable gardens that are, mm-hmm. are there and the, mm-hmm. the, the women who are not having to carry heavy pots of water yeah. long distances who have time to do other things. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you're walking five kilometres to your water supply and then five kilometres back in really hot weather... Mm, you don't yes. have time mm. to care for your children mm-hmm. or to do any other sort of work to to help the family. Yeah. So all of their horizons are broadened. Mm. And all starting off with clean drinking water. And yeah, we want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the people that you've met. We meet all sorts of people. We meet tribal elders who um, come up and... and almost sort of tug at your, your, your clothing to say, my village is, is just over here. It's just over this hill. Can you come to us next? We need water. We need water. And, and it's really difficult because there are so many villages mm. that have this need and it takes about four weeks to use the rig we're using to, to sink a well. So we're really limited mm-hmm. to 12 a year, but then with the wet season, it's usually only 10 a year. Mm. But quite often what happens is, along with the people coming to ask for rigs, they'll also come up with a, a child, a holding a little child, walking along, uh, holding their hand, and they'll, they'll speak through, through our interpreters, this is my grandson, this is my granddaughter, um, I can't care for them, or it's uh, a family member who says the same thing, I really can't care for them, can you take my child back to Australia. Can you care for my child? Hmm. Um, Boy, that's got to break your heart. <laughs> yeah. Baby's put into my arms and, hmm. and, you know, please can you take my baby home? I, I'll i never be able to give it anything. So if you take it home, you can give it everything. Hmm. We, you can't. I mean, mm-hmm. number one, it's it's not right to necessarily pull a child out anyway. Yeah. They should be growing up with their own culture Mm -hmm. and fortunately I'm able to say to them thank you very much I'd love to care for your child however your government won't allow that Mm -hmm. and my government won't Mm -hmm. so we will try and help you here Mm -hmm. in some way we're children are orphans we've built a children's home and 
what we're doing there is we're educating the children mm. to whatever level they will be able to attain and giving them skills, giving them um, three meals a day. Most mm. in the villages that often only have one meal a day, they never have warm water to wash with. They don't have mattresses to sleep on. They don't have blankets. Um, they often only have one suit of clothing. Mm-hmm. So these kids, um, there are 23 at the moment, um, are all doing really well at school. Mm. They have no uh, preconceived things in their head. Mm. So learning is just such a wonderful thing mm. and they're all doing wonderfully well. And and they've become a family so mm. that they're, these kids are all looking after each other. They're oh, all caring great. and loving each other. One of them is uh, a little guy. He's only six years old and his grandmother was... Uh, and still is working breaking rocks into smaller rocks and then into smaller rocks for road metal Mm. Um, he just sat by her side all day because there was no one else to care for him never would have gone to school never would have had any education Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, but thank thank god we've got sponsors and the people who are sponsoring him Mm -hmm. mean now that he's getting educated that he's much healthier than he was and we're really hoping that we can bring his grandmother into the children's home too because we, we really want to care for widows as well as orphans. Yeah. Wow. And so we can find a place for her and have her share as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned, we're speaking with Joan Roos, the CEO and founder of Jacob's Well, and we heard how it started with just wanting to have clean drinking water and then that led to having to educate about hygiene and then that led to, as you mentioned, the orphans, and that's also leading to a health clinic and adult literacy classes and other things. So it's just kind of growing. And at some point, you could have said, oh, this is just getting to be too much, but you're plowing forward, going ahead. Do you ever kind of say, oh, this is too much, we have to put a limit, or you just keep going forward? Oh, no, I've never said we have to put a limit. Every now and then I, I think this is too much. How are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um but our needs are always met. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that we do, the more we realise there is to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the more opportunities that open yes. for us. That's the thing. So, you know, you go into a village where there's no electricity, there's been no water, um, there's no facilities, they're miles away from doctors and uh, any, any sort of services, and you think, well... We managed to put a bore well in here. Why can't we put in a solar panel? We've got such great technology now. Mm-hmm. If we could put in a little panel of batteries, we could put a light here so that in not, at the night time in the centre of the village there's a light. Mm. Uh, that will keep wild animals away. In the hills there's still um, bears, mm. there are jackals, oh, okay. there are mm. all sorts of wild animals, mm-hmm. yeah. including human predators. Mm. So uh, a light in a village is a, yeah. is a yes. safety thing. Yeah. So, right. yeah. so no matter what we do, there always seems to be another door that's opening mm. and another challenge. Mm. Wow, that's fantastic. And it's just growing and you're helping out other people. Why do you do this? What is the source of your concern? Where does this come from? <sighs> God made me do it. <laughs> That's the short answer there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the the very fact that that I even got involved with anything with India is is God's doing. Mm-hmm. I it wasn't on my list of countries to go to visit. 
Um, but he just woke me up night after night with India and my mind and my body and my soul and until I spoke it out and said I have to go to India mm. I couldn't sleep at night mm. so um, he's literally picked me up and turned me inside out and mm. um, um, certainly it's my life's changed dramatically mm-hmm. yeah. um, wonderfully uh, mm. in, you know in every way but he's provided for me in everything I do mm-hmm. um, and brought along a great team of people here and in Australia. That's right. Mm. Uh, yeah. And in India. And in India. <laughs> so it's really a, a team project. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. You it, can't do it on, on your own. Yeah. It's great to see that when the Lord puts a desire in your heart, He just doesn't say, go and do it. He gives you the resources. He also gives you the means and gives you the strength and the encouragement and all he's looking for is a willing heart to do it yep. and that's what um, that's what this is all about um, you, you had that from since you were a child mm. and it's just wonderful to see years later how God has taken that desire to where it is today Absolutely. It's amazing. Mm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're having an impact. You've been sharing how you're having an impact there, but in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, having clean drinking water, you can think, okay, well, then they'll have better hygiene and you'll you know, have all the things that come with clean drinking water. But I would never have thought that the clean drinking water would improve the marriage prospects. <laughs> Could you please explain that? <laughs> yeah, we're confused. <laughs> there was an article in, in a, um, the Hindu Times, I think it was, a couple of months ago. And it was talking about uh, a village where the young men in the village had for many years had problems getting wives. Mm. The people in the surrounding villages were reluctant to let their daughters marry any of the young men in this village because they didn't have a bore well. (laughs) And they had to travel many kilometres each day to get water. So once this village had its bore well sunk, all of a sudden, it was a new bore well working properly. Therefore, the girl, girls didn't have to walk so far. So these young men were, were now eligible and oh. um, marriages were, were happening uh, where they hadn't before. How so funny. so not only does it provide <laughs> clean, fresh water, but it also provides a, a reason to live in that particular village. Well, they, they must absolutely love you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Two more wells. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure the neighboring villages are, uh, can we talk here? <laughs> that's wonderful. Wow, well, that's fantastic. Mm. And as we've been talking, it just keeps going on and on and on. Thank you so much yes. for joining with us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Eric and his wife Jean Scadabo chatting with Joan Roos, the founder and CEO of Jacob's Well, a ministry that's helping poor people in remote villages in India in a variety of ways. As we heard, they provide clean drinking water, education and have an orphanage as well. To learn more, their website is jacobswell.org.au. That's jacobswell.org.au. But before we end today, I should let you know that this conversation was recorded several years ago, not long after the ministry was officially started in 2005. But 
it's still going strong today, with Joan spending much of her time in India overseeing its growth. It's amazing to hear how it all started when Joan took a trip to India to visit her sponsor child, and then God used that trip to tug her heart towards building something that's bigger than she ever thought it would be. And that's how God can work in our lives. If we take small steps of faith, He can lead us to wonderful adventures that can bless people in a variety of ways. And it all started with that first step of faith. Well, thanks for joining us for Joan Roos sharing her story and the story of Jacob's Well. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I ended up at the end of that year deciding that I would go and volunteer at an NGO in Thailand for a couple of months that was working with young men uh, who were living and working in the in the red light districts in Chiang Mai and I did that really just because I knew I needed to get some perspective and to stop focusing on my own stuff and I guess invest into young people who were facing much more difficult circumstances than I was. Adrian Rouse is the founder and project manager of Ping Pongathon which basically involves people playing ping-pong for long periods of time. All this to raise money to combat human trafficking of children in Southeast Asia. How did it all get started? We'll find out as Adrian shares his unique story next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.